One of the areas that people focus on during this time of season, of course, is the idea of giving and receiving gifts. And so we felt that it would be appropriate that we focus our next four weeks on the gifts that God offers us through his son, Jesus Christ. It's important to get our focus right during a Christmas season when there's so much commercialism, there's so many things to distract us. And so we'll begin our series today and uh, we'll go through Christmas Sunday. I thought it might be helpful just to give a couple of introductory comments about gifts in general. And then today we're going to focus specifically on the gift of peace. But there's some things about gifts in general that I thought might be helpful for us to know. Just what are the what what comprises a gift? What's important for us to know about gifts in general? Number one, gifts always have to be free. If it's not free, if it's not unearned, it's really not a gift. It's something that you've worked for, right? It becomes payment for a service rendered. So a gift is freely given. So there has to be a giver and there has to be a receiver. The gift has to be free. I don't know if you ever have received one of those gifts that has strings attached, you know what I'm saying? It really takes away from the dynamic joy of receiving that kind of gift, doesn't it? And uh, frequently Carrie uh, receives some of our mail and she said, oh, look what we've gotten in the mail. Look at this. And I go, honey, it's really, it's just a promotional thing. There's a catch to it. And she goes, oh. And uh, so I always have to make sure she's aware that there's a string attached. That's really not a free gift. Gifts are free. Number one. Number two, gifts, I know this is obvious, gifts have to be received. I can give Steve a wonderful gift, but if he doesn't actually take that and receive it, then it's not his. It's the nature of a gift. There is a giver, there is the act of giving, and then there is the act of receiving. You know what I've learned? A lot of times people have trouble receiving. Some people really love to give, but they have a hard time receiving gifts for themselves. So the second characteristic that's important in this quality of a gift is that it has to be received. Number three, gifts that are given are only beneficial if we put them to use. Right? So frequently, how many of you have one of those sweaters that... Yeah. Oh, or, uh, or something... We won't pick on sweaters today. Whatever it might be that maybe you've been given and uh, you walk away with, and there's, uh, I know at least in my family, there are some of those elephant uh, Christmas gift-giving things, and we got some kind of crazy gift, and so we simply put it in the closet so that we could give it away the next year. You know what I'm talking about? So we really never put it to use. I'm confessing my sins to you today, all right? So these, it's very important that you understand that for a gift to be beneficial, we have to put it to use. These are also true about the gifts of Christmas, specifically the gifts that God gives to us, and that's what we're going to be talking about today. Today, specifically, we're going to be speaking about the gift of peace, and then next week, the gift of joy, and the following week, the gift of hope, and then finally, on Christmas Sunday, the gift of love. And by the way, Christmas Sunday, I forgot to mention this earlier to you, we will only have one service and it's a 10 a.m. service on Christmas Day. So we'll consolidate uh, back into uh, one service, 10 o'clock on Christmas Day, and it'll be a wonderful time of celebrating the real meaning of Christmas. All right, so let's talk about the gift of peace today. In Luke chapter 2, 
Luke chapter 2, there is, uh, of course, the scene that we're familiar with, with the shepherds that are gathered, taking care of their flocks. And we see that there is an announcement given to them of the coming Messiah by the angel. And then, as a support to that angel's message of the arrival of the Messiah, we see that there is an original carol, Christmas carol, that is sung by an angelic choir. And as this carol is sung in Luke chapter, it's recorded for us in Luke chapter 2 and verse 14. And it says this, suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel doing what? What were they doing? Praising God. And it even gives us the lyrics of this song that they were singing, all right? Saying what? Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. Notice that along with the announcement of the Messiah, there was a promise of peace to men on earth. See, peace really isn't needed in heaven. Peace wasn't needed by this angelic choir. But there was a great need for peace on earth. And there still is today. Can someone say amen? And so here we have this angelic declaration for us and recognizing that without God's peace, the world can be a very violent, confused, chaotic place. Might be helpful for us to kind of set the scene and remember that there's this peace that these angelic, this angelic choir is singing about was actually promised hundreds and hundreds of years before. As the prophets of old were prophesying and foretelling that there is coming one. There is one who is coming. And we learn all kinds of things that he's going to do. For example, in Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6, it says, For to us, to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. All these speaking attributes of the coming Messiah, right? And finally, right? Prince of peace. Zechariah adds his peace in Zechariah 9.10, saying the pro- he says, He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, and they will live securely, for then his greatness will reach the ends of the earth, and he will be their peace. So we find Zechariah and we find Micah adding their two cents Again, prophesying that what? When this one comes, this Christ, this anointed one, this Messiah, one of his primary ministries will be to minister peace to those who are willing to receive his Christmas gift. Peace, goodwill towards men. That's a promise of God. What's interesting is to take note of Palestine during the times that Jesus was born. And remind ourselves, what was going on? Was there a need for peace on earth during that time? There really was. But it's quite interesting that they were also experiencing some kind of peace at that time. Maybe you who have studied history know of the Pax Romana that took place 27 years uh, before Jesus was born. Rome began to experience something quite eccentric and unique to history. And that is commonly referred to as the Pax Romana, or in Latin meaning, the peace of Rome. 
And everybody recognized that beginning with the reign of Augustine, emperor of Rome, and lasting to about 180 AD, this is a 200-year span of history, there were no real wars. During these centuries, they had a few internal conflicts, but their nation rarely went to war. So all the Roman uh, empire at this time had a virtual peace. Uh, the Pax Romana had offered something the world had not known for many centuries, a nation of peace from war. Now that peace was really, the problem was it was conditional. It was really only significant if you were Roman. So if you were an outsider and you weren't a Roman, uh, you kind of were there but you had this internal turmoil on the inside of you because frequently the peace of Rome was enforced by what? By a sword, right? By armies and soldiers being everywhere. So there was prevailing peace, if you will, but the real peace wasn't being experienced in their hearts. In the hearts of men, there was still a hole and still people looking for peace. So when the angel sang that the Messiah was coming, and they were declaring that God was offering something. They were, they were actually pronouncing that God was offering something that Rome could not give. That the Pax Romana did not solve. They were announcing that there was going to be peace to men on earth. This was at the height of Rome's Pax Romana. The angels declaring that a newborn babe, Jesus Christ, was going to be born in Bethlehem. This was the peace that only Jesus could give. Jesus referred to that peace, and he contrasted that peace with the available peace of the world at that time by saying this in John chapter 14, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Do you see clearly that peace is a gift? He said, my peace I give to you. I'm offering it to you as a gift, but I'm not giving you the kind of peace that the world offers. I'm not giving to you Pax Romana. I'm not giving to you a, a superficial peace. I'm offering you true peace that can transform your life. Don't let your hearts be troubled. You don't need to be afraid. All you need to do is to receive the gift of my peace. Jesus offers us a peace that the world cannot provide. By the way... There's nothing different today. There are a lot of false peace messages frequently being distributed and passed around. I remember back in the 19, late 1960s and the early 1970s, uh, during my day as a, as a young person, uh, the common thing among the, the movement of, of those who were uh, complaining about uh, the war in Vietnam and other things going on in our nation, the call, there was a great call for what? This was, this was the sign. This was our signature. You know, so if you went up to someone, we just went, peace, babe. Peace, dude. Just peace, man. You remember that, Larry? Yep, just peace, dude. Some of y'all don't act like you're old enough to know that. I'm talking about. Yeah. But man, many of us thought that that peace was really available through just a significant level of drugs, you know. Take enough drugs and you get some peace, you know. Or you party late enough at night and oh, I, I have peace. That, 
that's not the peace that Jesus offers. So there's a lot of different superficial false peace offerings out there. Uh, forgive me, I don't intend it as necessarily a political statement, but let me just tell you something. The United Nations has no, off, no real answer for peace for the world. Jesus Christ is the, the Prince of Peace. If there's one thing that I've learned in my few years on this planet, it's that there's a whole lot of promises of peace that float around. There's all kinds of new legislation for peace. There's all kinds of new programs and new agendas to bring peace and this and this and this and taking peace in the world. But people are still not at peace. And there's still conflict between people. And people are still empty in their lives until they discover the true gift that Jesus offers us. And that is his peace the peace of God, the peace that comes through Jesus Christ. He said he'd come to give us a peace that the world couldn't give. I want to suggest to you this morning that there's three kinds of peace that Jesus offers us. And I encourage you to partake, receive every single one of them. And not only receive them, but make them of use. Employ them in your life. The first kind of peace that we want to speak about is Peace with God. Everybody say that with me. Peace with God. You see, the scripture speaks specifically of peace with God. In fact, Billy Graham wrote one of his best-selling books was called Peace with God, where he really presented the gospel message in book form. It was taken from this verse in Romans chapter 5, verse 1. It says, therefore, since we've been justified through faith, in other words, those of us who have put faith in Jesus, and been made regenerated and redeemed, made new people. Speaking of us, we have now what? We have peace with God through what? Our Lord Jesus Christ. You say, well, what does that mean now? That Now it's as if it's contrasting now with before. It is. It's saying before we were not at peace with God. In fact, the Bible teaches us that without a relationship with Jesus Christ, there is actually distance between us and God. God loves us, but we are, the Bible says, at enmity with God. We are divided, separated away from God. Why? Because of our sin. Because of the sin nature that we inherited from our forefathers. And every one of us were born as sinners. And that sin problem separates us from the God of peace. And because of it, there is enmity. There is this struggle going on between our creator and us. Until we come to the point of making decision for Jesus Christ. And only then can we have what? Peace with God. Oh, what a glorious time and moment that is in life when you finally come to the point of saying, enough of the fight. I give in. I yield to your plan for my life, Jesus. I just want peace with God. Jesus is the source of peace between God and us. There's another scripture before I go on to the second kind of peace. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 13 and 14. In the words of Paul, listen carefully. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace who has made the two one, has destroyed the barrier, dividing the wall of hostility. Sin problem has been resolved through the cross, because Jesus took the chastisement of our peace upon himself. And now we can be at peace with God. Do you, are you at peace with God today? Yes. 
Have you made that decision for Jesus and made him the Lord and Savior of your life? If you have, friend, you are living in a great place of not only having eternal life, but you are at peace with God. Friends and family and neighbors who don't have that, let me tell you, there is separation. There's enmity. There's stuff going on there. There's a conflict warring over their souls. And we can pray for them. And we can offer them the true gift of peace, peace with God. The second kind of peace, very critical. The first kind of peace is peace with God. The second kind of peace is the peace of God. Important distinction. Peace with God brings, takes me to heaven. <laughs> but the peace of God will bring heaven to me. It's a big difference in Scripture. When we read of peace with God, and then we read of the peace of God, let me remind you of Philippians chapter 4, which speaks like this. It, 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 I'll read the whole thing, although I only put one of the parts of the verse on the screen. Starts off in verse 6 by saying, don't be anxious about anything. Literally, it's saying, don't worry about anything. Bob Marley stole that line from that. Anyway, <laughs> don't worry about anything. Don't be anxious for anything. But then he gives a solution. But in everything, in other words, in all the stuff that we're stressing about, but in everything, by prayer and by petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And then we have verse 7. And then, as a result of you meeting the condition in verse 6, then what? And then the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard my heart and my mind in Christ Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. The peace of God is incomparable. The peace of God transcends analysis. It's beyond comprehension. You can't even wrap your head around it. In other words, there's stuff going on in life that should make you anxious, that make you worry. There's very there's real facts that are going on in situations, but the peace of God, it doesn't take into account all that stuff. All that matters is God's peace he's giving to you. He wants you to accept his peace that it defies analysis. It doesn't make sense that I am in this storm and I'm going to experience peace. This doesn't make sense. There's a lot of stuff happening in my life. I mean, I've got confusion and conflict and broken relationships and I'm looking for a job and I've got all these needs in my life. I shouldn't have any peace. But if you have the right kind of fellowship with God, you can receive the gift of the peace of God, which will settle into your mind and heart. You can walk in the midst of troubled difficulties with the peace of God in control. Notice it says he will guard. It's as if he's setting up himself like a like a like an umpire over your heart over your mind guarding you so that things won't come and 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 take you out of that peaceful place oh the peace of god is incomparable there's nothing else like it and living without it you might have peace with god but the peace of god's different I know a lot of Christians that are at peace with God, but they're troubled, they're anxious, they're always worrying about stuff, they're never living and walking in peace, and they sure don't relate peace to other people. Because we have to do something in order to get this peace. 
What do we have to do? It's very simple. We have to cast our cares onto him. We have to choose not to worry. And we have to make a decision that we're going to take all of those burdens and all of those cares that are weighting us down. We make a decision in our life that we're going to come and we're going to unload those things onto Jesus. We're going to place them on him. The Bible says, cast your cares on him because why? He cares for us. That's a pretty good reason, isn't it? I'm going to put that burden on him because he cares for me. He cares so much for me. He sent his son Jesus to die for me. He cares so much for me. He sent the Holy Spirit to live on the inside of me. I mean, I can walk in the peace of God today. Hallelujah. I wonder why we don't enjoy the peace of God more than we do. I think sometimes it's because we don't understand the distinction that just because we have peace with God doesn't mean we're walking in the peace of God. I remember many years ago, I was in a very difficult situation in, in pastoring a church, one of the first churches I pastored, and I was still learning through making a lot of the mistakes that you make. And um, I remember getting into a conflict situation with someone that was one of my uh, elders and a, and a couple that I had raised up for ministry and led them into the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And they were very close. In fact, they were Carrie and my closest friends. And uh, came to a point, there was an issue that was going on with the wife. And she was uh, really being uh, difficult. <clears throat> and uh, she was opposing things and verbally was spreading uh, division in the church. And so I went to her husband. I said, uh, could we sit down and, and talk to your wife? together about this. And uh, he looked at me real strange and I said, uh, look, I said, God doesn't bless sowing seeds of division and we, we need to talk to her. And all of a sudden I began to notice a new defensiveness come up in my friend. And I said, he said, let me just talk to her first. And I said, okay. So um, I got this strange feeling that this wasn't going to go well, you know? And so he came back in a few days and he said, uh, he said, um, we're, we're willing to meet with you. And I said, fine, let's set up a time. So we met. And the moment that they walked in and sat down, I sat down. I could tell right now. I could tell, ooh, ooh this wasn't good. And uh, they basically informed me that uh, we're not wrong. And this is your problem, not our problem. And they proceeded to tell me that a lot of stuff that's not important right now, but a very, very, very rebellious and very independent and very um, uh, divisive. Uh, particularly for those that were serving in leadership. And uh, I said, look, this, this is a problem. All I'm asking you to do is just go and, and confess to these people. And I listed some people that, that you shouldn't have said what you said. Just, that's, all, that's that simple. You know, just take a place of humility and just confess you're wrong. And they said, won't do it. Refuse to do it. And um, so I said, well, let's do, you know, y'all need to, you need to pray about this because this is, this could, this is a deal breaker. Your relationship and leadership in this church. I mean, this is a deal breaker. They said, well, we'll take a week to pray about it. I said, okay, you do that. I'm thinking to myself, you really don't have to pray about it. some things you don't have to pray about. You know, you just do it. Right? So when they said, we're going to pray about it, I thought, mm, not good. A week later, they came back and, uh, basically it got dragged out for about 30 days, uh, before it finally resolved. Uh, and they basically, you know, resolved it by splitting the church and, and spreading rumors, all kinds of stuff. But during the 30 days that lasted this turmoil, about 30 to 45 days, I cannot tell you the amount of personal anxiety 
I was going through. I couldn't sleep. All I could do, my mind was, was just racing with trying to come up with ways that I can solve this problem. And I'm thinking to myself, poor, the emotions of these are our best friends. I can't believe our best friends are turning. Why would they? I'm thinking, how hard is this? And I'm just like, you know, beating myself up about it day and night. Any of y'all ever been there? Y'all know what I'm talking I mean, I'm just, I, and I mean, I've got heartburn going on. I've got every kind of burn there was going on. And, and, and I'm going through that time. And I had a friend who was a well-known uh, a well-known pastor and minister. Uh, if I mention names, some of you old-timers might remember who he was. But uh, he was a good friend of mine, and I called him up. And I said, Larry, man, this is what's going on. I need your prayers. He said, yeah, man, I'll pray for you. He said, listen, that's, I've been through that a hundred times. And he said, let me, just, let me just tell you one thing for you to keep in mind when you're going through this time. I said, what? He said, well, you're in a storm. I said, tell me about it. I said, I know I'm in the storm. He said, just remember when the disciples were with Jesus in the boat in the midst of the storm on the Sea of Galilee, they had a choice. They could either fellowship with the storm, which they did, or they could fellowship with the one that was inside the boat with them, the Prince of Peace. I thought, he said, you have the same choice. Thanks, Larry. <laughs> it was just like the Lord spoke through him to me, and I realized that I had allowed myself to fellowship with all that was going on, and I had forgotten who was in the boat with me the whole time. Jesus, the Prince of Peace, the author of the peace of God, was on the inside of my boat, and I was ignoring him, and I was fellowshipping with the storm. And I made a decision that day. That's it. I'm not going to do that anymore. Jesus, I just receive your peace. And let me tell you, it gave me a breakthrough. And from that moment on, the situation didn't change, but the way I handled it changed on the inside of me. Why? I received and put into practice the peace of God. Peace with God. The peace of God. Number three, peace among ourselves. Peace among ourselves. You know, Paul tells us that Jesus is the source of peace for us internally, but he also teaches us in Ephesians chapter 2 that he's the source of peace between us that we can actually have peace with each other and that there is this available living in harmony for us who are Christians. The trouble is we haven't experienced that very much and we sure don't let it control most of our life. Christians many times are a poor example of peace among ourselves. Sometimes there's no more divided group of people than Christians, those who call themselves Christians. And yet Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 17 and 19 tells us this. He came and preached peace. Everybody say peace. peace. He came and he preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. Who's he speaking about here? Jews and Gentiles. There was no greater division except Jews and Gentiles. I mean, this is like the ultimate groups of people who didn't get along, right? So he's saying, Jesus came that he didn't might do what? That he might preach peace to you both, to these groups. 
For through him, we both, both, all have access to the Father by one Spirit. Consequently, you're no longer foreigners. You're no longer aliens. But we are fellow citizens. Travis, we're fellow citizens. Angie, we are fellow citizens. We are fellow citizens with one another, right? With God's people and members of God's household. You know, the state of the world today is filled with division and fighting and hostility. But to be honest with you, it, it really shouldn't shock us because it's not new. I read something this last week that caught my attention that in the last 32 centuries, there have been fewer than 300 years of peace. In all the years of humanity, of humankind, there's less than 8% of recorded history where there is no conflict going on. Well, what does that tell us about the world we live in? Peace is an unknown quantity. People don't live in peace with one another. I think this may be one of the greatest opportunities that we as God's people have and that is that we can come to a point of realizing that we may have differences, and we may have distinctives, and we may have plenty of, of, of particular aspects of diversity, but there is one thing that we must proclaim and one thing we must hold on to, and that is that we have one and the most important thing in common, and that is Jesus Christ. And he is our peace. The peace, not just peace with God, not just the peace of God, but the peace between us. The peace that allows us to walk together and show the world there is love, there is peace. And you can have it too. You don't have to stay in a state of conflict all the time. Jesus is our representative of peace on earth, goodwill towards men. The truth is that people on our own, we just... Don't get along with people. We're hard to deal with. Come on, someone say amen. I mean, our courts are full even of Christians filing suit against one another and Christian husbands and Christian wives getting divorces for irreconcilable differences. I mean, if there's one thing that prevails in our world, it's the fact that we fight, we bicker, we argue, we can't get along, we're not in unity, we tear each other down, we have difficulty living in harmony and peace with people we call our best friends. We need Jesus to be the Prince of Peace that ministers and gives us our answers to living in peace with one another. Jesus offers us three kinds of peace today. Peace with God, peace of God, and peace with one another and among ourselves. I want to ask you today, which of these kinds of peace are you missing? Which of these aspects of peace, these gifts of peace, do you today need to say, Lord, I'll receive that gift. For to be a gift, it's freely given and it's available. You've done it, but I have to receive it. And I've got to put it into use in my life. So I want to ask you this morning, how many of you are here that you need, maybe you don't have peace with God. You can have it today. 
In just a moment, I'm going to have our prayer teams come forward, and you can simply come forward and ask someone to pray with you, make a decision for Jesus, and from this moment on, have peace with God. What a great opportunity. Or you might be here this morning, and if so, I'm just going to pray with you in just a second. You might say, I'm not walking in the peace of God that's guarding my mind and my heart. I'm worried about this. I'm fretting about this. I'm anxious about this. I want to pray for you in just a moment. Or maybe you can say, I have a broken relationship with this person or this person. I've been out of sorts here. Lord, give me peace among ourselves. You came to offer it. Help me be a fellow citizen of the kingdom of God. Many years ago, I used to travel quite a bit to the country of Romania and uh, a beautiful people. And like other countries um, in different languages, you know, there's greetings. Here we say, hi, hey, how are you? When you see someone in Romania, their greeting is pace. Pace is the Romanian word for peace. It's a greeting of peace. Similar to the Hebrew word shalom. It's a greeting as well as a departure, a blessing. Today, can we receive God's gifts of peace? I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. Prayer teams, come forward. I particularly want to pray for you if you're missing the peace of God today. Well, you know, it's very ironic, isn't it, that of all times of the year, this ought to be the most peaceful. It's frequently the opposite. This morning, if you need the peace of God just to rest in on your mind, in your heart, and right now you're not, you don't feel it, you're not there, but you want it, can I pray with you? Just maybe acknowledge your need by just raising your hand and say, Lord, I acknowledge that I need the peace of God today. I'm inviting the peace of God, that gift. Raise your hand. All right, now just do this with me. I want you right now just to close your eyes and to identify the burden, the care, the weight that you're carrying. Now I want you just to package it up and I want you to roll it off of your shoulders onto his. Take it and roll it off. Sometimes it's too heavy to even pick up with your own hands. You just got to turn your shoulders and roll it off I want you to roll off those cares right now into him and now just open up your hands and say Lord I receive the peace of God that passes all understanding I welcome that peace right now over my thoughts over my emotions over my soul over my heart I welcome the peace of God just just soak it up right now, would you? Lord, just minister peace. Release the gift of peace to us today. 
And Lord, I pray for us that are in the midst of fighting and bickering and arguing with others. Help us to see that you're the only answer. And help us to move into a place of peace with others as well. Thank you for the gift of peace. In Jesus' name. If you need prayer this morning, our prayer teams are available. Steve's going to come and bless you as we're dismissed. Thank you, Pastor Bobby. I would love to speak a blessing this morning over each and every one of you. So, Father God, we praise you this morning and we just thank you. Lord, we declare blessing and victory over each individual that's come in here this morning, Father. Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ, give them peace. Give them wisdom to walk through each situation they face. But, Father, in this season especially, allow them to find peace in you. In the name of Jesus Christ, go in peace. You're dismissed.